Welcome to episode 54 of Inbound Agency Journey. I'm Andrew. I'm so excited that you're here right now, and I'm excited to share this conversation between Gray and Darren Davis. Darren is the CEO of Link Caffeine down in Dallas, Texas. They are an inbound agency, but they've got their roots in PPC. And in this conversation, Darren really opens up a lot in terms of how to leverage PPC for your clients and also some lessons that they've learned from the e-commerce industry and how they've really been able to identify some low-hanging fruit for their clients, help deliver some big wins right away using some cool tactics there. And there might be a takeaway for you even if you're in a B2B space from this. So check it out. This is a great conversation. Without further ado, folks, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. All right, welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. I'm your host, Gray McKenzie, and today I have the pleasure of bringing on Darren Davis from Link Caffeine to the podcast. Darren, how you doing, man? Doing good, Gray. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to bring you on and share the story with everybody. So let's start right there. Why don't you give us kind of the background on where you came from? And I know that the two are very closely intertwined, but the Link Caffeine startup story and transition to where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. So back in 2009, I was in sales and that was the last job I had, uh, little did I know. So I, I came out of selling advertising. Um, I sold paid search for companies like AT&T, you know, to small businesses. And that, that really kind of is where it got my interest in marketing. Um, I said, AdWords, what is this AdWords thing? Oh, we're doing SEO and, you know, websites and stuff. Um, how does this all work? And I was at that point, at that point, I was kind of really looking to, to get out of sales anyways. So in 2010, I really kind of took the leap to learn all these things, get AdWords certified, and I, I kind of just started this out as a, just a freelance deal. You know, I uh, got on all those freelance websites on LinkedIn, just kind of begged people, "Let me do some work for you <laughs> for free or whatever." I, you know, I don't really care. Just uh, let me let me get some hands on work and. Then, uh, you know, I ended up getting a, a marketing job where I, I managed a lot of that stuff. And then in 2011 and 2012, it became a full-time gig. So we started, you know, actually getting, you know, what I considered, I was like, wow, these are real clients. You know, I'm actually getting paid for this kind of stuff, uh, from client, client work and such. So, um, that's, that's kind of how this whole thing got started, um, but back in, you know, 2010 or 11, whenever I came up with that name, Link Caffeine, um, I mean, I've been obsessed with coffee for a really long time. I mean, I am, I, it's a ridiculous, you know, <laughs> obsession. So I, you know, I've always like loved coffee so much and just trying to figure out, a, you know, a name. I think everybody kind of goes through, oh, am I going to name something funny or am I going to, you know, name it corporate and I just really couldn't do something like that. So, um, a lot of what, what we started doing with, with SEO is in PPC is, you know, everything's kind of link related. Um, 
so I, I don't know. I just kind of came up with, well, what if Link Caffeine, you know, is a is a name I could I could go with and ask a few people, and a lot of people really liked it. Um, even the logo has gone through a couple of iterations, but everybody that that sees it really loves it, and it, it's funny. I I even my title, I just like didn't didn't want to really use like. CEO or something. So I decided to have some fun with that. I'm like chief coffee drinker, you know, (laughs) and, uh, everybody always emails me about something with coffee. So it, it tends to really spark a good, good conversation. So that's kind of, it's kind of our story, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. I don't think you can be in marketing and not love coffee. Except I know. For, except for me, I think I'm the one exception. Me and and Seth Godin. Seth Godin. I was listening to uh, him recently, and I didn't. I didn't hear this before, but apparently he doesn't yeah. drink coffee either. So at oh. least I'm in good company. I that you made are. me feel a little bit better. You are. I know people that don't. They're like green tea drinkers. You know. Yep. Yeah. Tease tease myself. I uh, Andrew, my partner, everyone else here at mm-hmm. Do Inbound is obsessed with coffee. So <laughs> I'm I'm surrounded by it. I've learned enough of the lingo mm-hmm. to. Uh, to understand, I understand a lot more about how coffee is made. Love the smell, mm-hmm. just not into the actual, the actual taste. taste. You know, a lot of people that and I've I've converted a lot of people here. So I, I you know, he's a missionary. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm gonna I'll I'll convert you. All right. You know, over the next year or so, you're gonna be a coffee drinker. There so. you go. Challenge. Yes. <laughs> I like it. So, Darren, uh, I've got a couple of different questions. One is. Um, Tell us a little bit about the team right now and the way that you guys are set up and uh, also kind of tied into that. Where do you do a lot of work locally? Is it uh, nationally? Kind of where's the client base as well? Yeah, this is, I don't know if this is typical of a lot of agencies, especially that that start out or if it's, you know, unorthodox or something. But um, up until last month, we didn't have a single local client. We had nobody that I could, (laughs) they're all in New York or, you know, Chicago or California. They're all kind of spread all over the place. Um, But just until last month, we got a a local client here in Dallas. They're, you know, maybe, maybe really kind of 30 minutes outside of Dallas, but they say Dallas. And so that, that's kind of our, our customer base. And as far as, our team goes, it's myself. Um, I actually work with my wife. She handles all the stuff. I like to tell people that I don't like to touch. Um, <laughs> and that's mainly, uh, billing and all the, you know, accounting ish type stuff. And even, even some of the back end, like making sure people are keeping track of projects and things like that. Um, she's done, she's done quite a bit of that and it's, it's been a really good balance for me. Um, because she's, you know, great at all those attention to detail things that I just kind of never really was, <laughs> was, uh, great at. And then we just made our first time full-time hire last month as well, which, uh, I'm not going to lie, is a little scary, but you know, it's, it's uh, a part of the growth, you know, that we want and it, we kind of just see it as it was such a good decision at the, and the timing was right too. Um, and that full-time hire is named Sean and he's in Florida. So he's, he's one remote guy. Um, then we have two part-timers in one in Seattle and one in Chicago. Nice. So that, that makes up our team. Yeah. 
So um, with bringing somebody new on the team, what are, what are the kind of the roles? And actually, maybe before we go there, tell us a little bit about the types of clients that you work with. So when you go to the website, one of the things that stuck out to me was mm-hmm. in the hero section on the homepage, you talk about startups. Uh, and that's not the only thing that you mentioned. But um, as far as maybe vertically focused or the types of clients that you guys work with, tell us a little bit about the profile of a Link Caffeine customer. Yeah, so um, one of the one of the first clients that we got uh, was a, a startup company called Lightfire Partners, and this was a purely paid search. Then the bulk of our clients, we we do paid search for all of them, um, and that was kind of one of our first bigger clients. They were a startup, and one of the things that they they did was it's kind of unique. We generate leads for them, and then they generate leads, those leads to universities around the United States. So they're, um, they're basically just in the business of generating leads for companies, which is, which is pretty cool. And they, they do it a little bit uniquely, um, and so that they are purely lead generation-based. Um, the rest of our client base is mostly – e-commerce. Uh, we do, we do a lot of e-commerce. Um, some, one of the, one of the biggest, I think clients that we have, um, that is on the hero section of our site, uh, they do manufacturing of equipment for sign businesses. So if, you know, if you like want to start a sign business, you go to them and purchase all your equipment and then, you know, get, get rolling. Um, so it's a, it's a really diverse, client base, we really don't have anything that, oh, we stick to healthcare or we do only, you know, marketing for construction firms or whatever. Um, it's, it's very, it's very spread out. Got it. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited to dig into that too. And I know, um, both on the, on the SEO side, the the paid side and on the e-commerce side, because I think that those are, uh, first of all, there's a lot of inbound agencies who don't do paid mm-hmm. search. And mm-hmm. there's also, uh, at least in my experience, a ton of people who are, um, really into, and we've kind of gone this way at Guava Box too, but mm-hmm. heavily into the B2B space. Yeah. And, uh, I think that sometimes that gets confused with saying no to a lot of e-commerce stuff. So I'm excited to dig into that. But a question I had before we get there is with a small team. So, uh, with yourself, with Heather, with Sean and two other part-timers, um, are there clearly delineated like roles? Here's who's doing what this, this, uh, team member in Seattle is doing this mm, versus yeah. Chicago, or is it more of a loose collaboration? Yeah, it's, it's pretty tight. Um, so with, with each role, so Jason in Seattle, he, uh, I love his last name. His last name is Toon. I mean, could you have a cooler last name? Yes. <laughs> I mean, right. So he, he, um, actually was the, the guy who helped start woot.com. Um, not like as a, a part owner or anything, but he is very good buddies with the owner that started woot.com. And they said, Hey Jason, um, we have this idea for a website and we need a writer in, we know that you're really good. So could you just like on a freelance basis, write everything for the website? Um, and then we may need you to help out with creating all of our product description and stuff like that. And he said, 
oh, this sounds, this sounds great. Yeah. And they said, go ahead and put whatever spin you want on it. And he said, perfect. So he kind of came up with that funny, you know, tone that, that Woot has with all their product descriptions is actually pretty awesome. And, you know, that was his dream job, you know, he, and then they hired him. He was director of content and he, uh, after a while, you know, obviously they got bought out by Amazon and it became his no longer his dream job. So he says, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do my own thing now. So he went off on his own. Um, and we, we kind of mutually worked on a, a project for another client and another startup here in, here in Dallas. And, you know, it just, it, we instantly clicked and I just kind of got to read into his style a little bit more. He's all about voice and tone and, and he just, he just rocks. And so he's, he, he does pretty much all of our content. Um, and the guy in uh, Chicago, his name's Rain, another cool name, Rain. Um, he, he works on all, all he does is just work on our, with me on our paid search. We just do Google AdWords and Bing ads and we do some, some other shopping type things, but, um, that's pretty much just his role. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, that's those guys. Uh, Sean is, is a bit more blended in Florida. He kind of is just coming into the business. So, and he has no prior marketing background whatsoever. So he just got inbound marketing certified last month. Um, and he's, he was our, you know, first time new hire. So we, we kind of are putting together a process of, okay, well, here's, here's everything that we do that's really specific with like, say SEO. Um, I need you to help manage on this project. So let's, you know, let's start reviewing this stuff and start creating a, a process for you to, to learn and then for you to manage, um, a lot of this, a lot of this stuff. So it's pretty, uh, some, some people have more clearly defined things. Mine is all over the place. Really. I, I touch, <laughs> I touch way too many things, I think. So that's, oh, it's good. We're bringing someone on. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And that's helpful to know kind of how everyone fits in. And, um, mm-hmm. and also with, uh, with the type of work that you do, just pulling people into the specific roles that you're going to need there. So that makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. And it's all, I mean, the other thing is on a small team and I know this very, very well, you know, you've got your hands in all over the place in a lot of different things and that's really important. Uh, and as you scale and grow the team, then there needs to be some more organizational structure built up there. But I think that's a healthy thing in a, in a smaller team yeah. to have involvement all over. So, Agreed. so Darren, let's, uh, let's transition here and talk about, uh, the specifics of maybe a client project, but where's an area where you guys have had um, a lot of success here recently? So, you know, talking about recently, uh, this this past week, we actually had a client that, and it's an e-commerce client, that we had been creating some automated workflows on for their checkout process. And earlier this week, HubSpot actually caught the attention of HubSpot um, it's been running for about a year, so it's got a lot of data behind it. And they just reached out and said, "Hey, we uh, we noticed that you guys have been running this campaign, and it's been it's been killing it. Uh, we would really like to feature this client as a, a customer success story, you know. And you know, it's just uh, it was it was really cool to you know get that. I've never had a uh, HubSpot really email us before, 
and say, hey, you're doing something really cool uh, and it's working really well. Uh, we want to share it, you know, with with everybody in our academy. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and the, the email was specifically when people leave checkout. So, you know, every day people are kind of surfing around and they may add stuff into their shopping cart and then, you know, bounce. They just, mm. for whatever reason, they get busy, they leave their computer, they just, you know, get bored or <laughs> whatever the reason is they, they leave, or maybe they even see, uh, you know, uh, I've got a coupon code, um, but I'm going to, I'll, I'll like order this tomorrow or something. And they just decide to wait on it. So what we did was we put a series and if nobody's doing this for an e-commerce client, they, this is like a, a low hanging fruit, you know, top priority thing that I would, I would suggest do is we put, uh, Hey, uh, a, a several series of emails that says, Hey, we noticed that you left some stuff in your shopping cart. And then with, uh, with HubSpot, we were able to actually dynamically put pictures of those products in that they left in their, their cart. Um, because the, the, this particular client is on Magento. Mm -hmm. And so we have the Magento connector. So they're able to, to talk to one another. Um, and if you're on a different platform there, there are other connectors out there for like big commerce or, or some other like Shopify or something. So you can do something real similar. Um, and we said, Hey, we, we noticed that, uh, you left these things in your cart, showed them some pictures, grab it before it's gone. And that was the, the first email. And we, we did a, we kind of are playing with a, a two and three, um, other emails right now. It's, it's just set on a two email. So they'll get that, uh, within an hour or two after they bounce. And then a day or two later, they'll get another email. And if they don't convert on that, we we're kind of testing, Hey, let's add a third email onto this and see if we can squeeze, you know, another percentage out of that right. in sales or something. It's been very effective. That's awesome. Is there any, I, I'm sure like sharing customer revenue number, that's always, uh, always tricky, but any uh, metrics as far as conversion percentage or folks coming back on those card abandonment emails that you can share? Mm, that's a really good question. Yeah, I can, uh, I can pull that up, you know, in one of the things that I was actually going over with our, our, HubSpot account manager when they were wanting to know, um, Hey, what are you guys doing with these, uh, with these workflows? Cause I see that they're working out really, really well. <laughs> and so we went in and the conversion rate is about 35% oh, wow. on, on those. It's very, very high. Um, open rate is, is really good on those too. Um, and we're getting even a good, just click rate. We're getting about a 14% click rate on, nice. uh, on the second, I believe on that second email and on that first rate or for first email, we're getting like a 22% wow. uh, click rate. So it's, it's huge. Um, and then the, yeah, the percent, the conversion percentage on that is 35%. So it's, it's like a, an email. I feel like people are kind of just waiting to get sometimes because mm -hmm. you know, you have a, a big number of people and you kind of have to look into why they abandoned their cart in the first place. And a lot of them, I think, are expecting to get a coupon or some kind of a free shipping out of it, go on the internet, you know, figure out, hey, does before I check out, I noticed they, they had a promo box down here to put a promo code in. 
um, let me go look for a coupon code. And some people might forget. So what we do is, um, and I, I would suggest, you know, starting out, don't, don't put a coupon in there, but as an offer, but try, try doing that. If you don't get the desired results you want, you know, what is five or 10% to get that off, to get that person back to purchase, you know, if, if you're going to give them a, send a 20% off coupon for people that are signing up for the newsletter, you know? So it's, it's, uh, it just kind of makes sense. And so it's brought in quite a bit of revenue for them. Um, just, just putting in those, those really short delays, um, of emails. It's, it's, it was awesome. Yeah. This is something we've talked just briefly about this on the podcast before, but never really dug into what exactly the, like the series should look like or what you could expect. So this Mm -hmm. is super helpful and something that anyone who's in the e-commerce space should be looking at. Um, I'm not yeah, going yeah. to try and reverse engineer the math here to get to actual numbers, but I am curious about um, the average sale price of uh, mm. of what folks are checking out for. Yeah, for sure. So um, average sale price is somewhere around a hundred bucks. It's it's pretty close to that. I think it's like ninety seven. Last time I checked. Yep. Okay. So it, it's pretty close to that. So if you, you know, if you know you send a hundred, you know, a hundred people, um, that email and 35% of them, you know, convert your, that's a big deal. Yeah. You're looking at 3,500 bucks that right. you just, you left on the table. Um, you know, and if, if the amount is more then you know, I mean that, that number kind of grows, but even if it was, let's say you're a high ticket item, um, and you're selling like $300, uh, speakers or something like that, and you only convert, you know, fifteen percent. Well, you know, on a hundred, that's forty five hundred bucks. Yep. You know, so that's like it, it's it adds up. Um, whether that that checkout is abandoning a hundred people a day or a hundred people a month, um, it could really make a big difference for these for these clients. So you know, we look at that and and we say, well, if we're you know, three or 4,000 people are abandoning, then, you know, they're, they're raking it in. Right, man. Well, that's great. Congratulations on the success. I'm sure the client is thrilled. And that's, uh, that's just an awesome story of, um, you know, implementing the card abandonment. I love the ability to then input the pictures of the products using the Magento HubSpot connector. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was really nice to be able to do that. I think, I think that was a, a valuable piece of, kind of why it, why it works so well. Yep. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit and we could, I think there's a lot that we could dive into on the e-commerce side there, but, um, I know that one of the things that's been core to you guys since the beginning and obviously core to the name is the SEO side of things Mm. and the paid search. And one of the things I love to dig into on the podcast is just what are the processes that people have? Yeah. So I'm wondering if you could just talk, uh, maybe start generally or or as specific as you want to get about what the what a typical client who you work with, what are you doing on the SEO or paid and paid side, both organic and paid side? Um, yeah. Them? Yeah. So the the typical client, I think, and everybody probably can relate to this, is they want results yesterday. <laughs> and you wait know, a second. What? <laughs> I never have those clients. Uh, Oh wait, that's okay. everyone. Oh yeah. Oh wait, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and and so a lot of times um 
even even with paid search, and I think there's there's a slight misunderstanding with you know paid search being so instant. Like I can get leads tomorrow, right? You know, I can just throw uh, five thousand bucks at you, and you can like go out and get us some leads, right? So that's kind of one thing that is a is a misunderstanding. I think yes, you can you can actually spend. Um, you know, I've I've we manage and have managed. Uh, accounts that spend a million a month, four million a month, you know, in paid search, and you can spend a lot of money. But just because you spend a lot of money quickly doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get the results quickly. Um, and it's it is a lot faster than you know blogging, especially if you have no domain authority, and it's going to take you know some time to build that up and build up the traffic. Um, but really it's just figuring out on a, on a paid search side, what keywords are the bottom of the funnel keywords that we can bid on and, you know, get business, um, whether it's leads or if it's an e-commerce client, we need to find out what are the terms people are searching that are all the way through the sales process and they're just ready to buy right now. And if they, if we write something that connects with them well enough, they'll choose you to buy it from. So that's, that's one thing. So it, it does take a little bit of time, you know, to get that all hammered out. Um, but I'll say it takes a far less amount of time because you could in 30 to 60 days, maybe even 90 days, um, have a lot of really good data to look at. And also, um, you know, connecting people to different landing pages, just, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, even remarketing, that's a, that I probably would say is a really low hanging fruit piece that that's one step away from, um, shopping cart abandonment. And this is actually a, a, a really good recent, uh, success story. We're getting like a, a 10 to one return on investment for clients doing remarketing. Mm-hmm. And we do a really unique way. So anybody that's familiar with paid search out there, if they're doing remarketing for their client, um, what we do is we dig into Google Analytics and we create uh, separate audiences for people that are just generally looking on the site. And then we create other audiences that people have actually gone to the shopping cart, any shopping cart page at all. We want to make sure that we're segmenting those people. So we do different types of ads to people who have been to the shopping cart and then ones that haven't. So uh, we're seeing like a really, really big ROI on that. And a lot of people, they do remarketing. They want to remarket to every, every person the same that kind of went to the, the website. So we, we try to, you know, split those things apart um, a little bit more just to try to squeeze out more, more revenue. Um, so on a paid search site, there's like so much I want to like say right now. So (laughs) you have to bring me down, you know, I'm like floating away here, but, uh, yeah, it's, it can be, it can be a, quite a task to, to merge paid search with, with inbound marketing efforts. But, um, it really, it really takes knowing something like AdWords very, very well. And then trusting the process as well. That's, that's another thing because it does take, it does take, you know, just a couple of months to get, but once you get it, it, it really, really works well. And clients can throw as much money at it as they want. And, you know, we kind of optimize for that. Right. So 
that was a good overview. Um, I'd love to know what someone coming to you and you're kind of at the start of this relationship with them, assuming mm-hmm. some of the first things that you're going through or figuring out who the personas are and kind of cleaning up um, a lot of things that maybe cleaned up initially. What does it look like to actually get in and to start to, to start to actually execute on this stuff? Is it primarily creating the landing pages at first and then figuring mm-hmm. out what's converting best? Kind of what's your process for taking people and getting them started in those first couple months? Yeah, so if we're if we're talking just paid search, you know, initially, yep. um, if there there's kind of two people that I I kind of group this with people that are already doing paid search, but they want a better manager or they want to take it off their plate because usually they may be managing it themselves. So if they've got a Google AdWords account, I we do an audit, we do a paid search audit where we we come in and look at everything that there is to look at. Um, We analyze the structure of the account, the keywords that they're bidding on, the match types that that they have in the account, all the search terms, their ad copy. And we run run a couple of reports and then we give them like a one to two page audit, a narrative audit of here's what we saw, you know, here's what, here's what we can do. Um, here's what we would change. So that's the that's the very first thing that. Darren, we, is that a is that a paid? Uh, do you um, charge for that service? Um, we we do. So if we charge um, two thousand dollars for an audit, and then they come on board, then what we do is instead of charging another like two thousand dollars of an actual startup to, right. you know, to actually build out a new a restructure of an account because more I'll say nine times out of 10, we got it restructured their account because it's just all over the place. People create one campaign, have maybe one or two ad groups. And then there's like 50 to a hundred keywords in each ad group. And then there's like one ad. So I essentially, we, we could almost bypass the, the audit in some of those senses where we go, Oh God, like this just needs to be all redone. Right. But the client, it's really valuable for them to say, you know, okay, and I'm, I, you know, we don't charge $2,000 necessarily to audit an account, but, um, you know, whatever the, the scale of it is, we'll kind of try to charge accordingly to it. If it's a really small account, we may not, we may not charge, um, you know, but we might, we might do a little bit more of, of a setup just to kind of completely restructure everything for them. Um, so we try to be a little flexible, but, uh, it's good for them because they get to see, oh, wow, this is why it's not working. And they're actually explaining everything to me in, in great detail. And then now I know what what they can actually do for me, whether it's a restructure or whether, hey, this campaign looks really good, but we noticed that there's just, you know, we'll estimate X number of dollars are being wasted on irrelevant terms. Um and things like that. Cause a lot of people don't know about broad match versus exact match keywords and mm-hmm. phrase match, you know, or even modified broad match. They'll, they'll bid on, um, you know, let's say it's a, an online retailer that sells shoes and they're wanting to sell black shoes while well, they, you know, bid on, I'm going to bid on black shoes. And really those keywords are broad match. So anything with the, with the word black in it or anything with the word shoe can kind of, matched absolutely anything um you know so those kind of things are we need to to really control that so that's the control 
is the structure that we bring to it because, you know, everything's just going all willy nilly and, you know, we kind of make sure that this keyword triggers this ad and it forces it to, to do that through how we format everything. So got it. It saves a lot of money. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I love that you guys charge for that. And that's the first step that give them a chance to see what the issues Mm -hmm. are. And then obviously you also have your foot in the door and -hmm. know what needs to get done when you go in to start restructuring stuff. Mm-hmm. So you said, folks, kind of you were breaking things out into uh, the type of customers coming in already doing paid search. What's the second type? Um, so the second type is people that just don't have an account. <laughs> so people that don't have any any kind of account whatsoever, um, and they they have no no real kind of clue as to to what um, it's going to take to kind of get this going. And there, there's an advantage to even though accounts may be performing really bad and, you know, we just have to absolutely redo everything versus, you know, starting from, from scratch, you know, um, I think one person getting used to AdWords and just saying, man, this thing, this stuff, this thing really does take a lot of work to get, to get going. Um, and in a lot of knowledge too, it's not like, a it's not some switch you can kind of just flip and it's like, Oh, results are pouring in through the door. Um, whereas some, some clients and even some agencies that, you know, we work with kind of feel that way. Um, so it's, it, it's a bit of a struggle sometimes working with, with people that just don't have an account at all. Um, but you know, it, I think it's all in expectations of what the person kind of expects and then trying to teach, teach someone, Here's what you know to expect. Um, forecasting out results based on keywords and their search volume, and kind of what we can what we can do is a little bit more of what that type of a, a customer we do for them um, coming into that because they don't really know how much you know. They always say, "You tell me how much I need to spend," or "I've got twenty four hundred dollars a month," or "I've got twenty four thousand dollars a month." You know, I need to, I need you to tell me how to spend this. So we do a lot of, a lot more forecasting, I think with those kind of, uh, those kind of clients. Right. That makes sense. So yeah, I was kind of curious about with this, with the folks who aren't doing it currently and they're coming to you guys for the first time, is yeah. there that kind of introductory project since you can't really do an audit of something that doesn't exist? Is the forecasting like a, either paid or unpaid kind of introductory project or is it? Yeah, we, we do. Um, oh, and I guess I should, I should mention this. Like it, we, with, uh, with doing audits, um, we, we usually only charge if it's, if we know it's going to be a really big audit, you know, somebody that's got, uh, multiple, multiple, multiple campaigns typically will, will charge for something like that. But if it's, you know, the average, client we we kind of say okay well you know we'll we'll let this be kind of our uh you know getting in the door kind of with them kind of an audit and then with uh people that are new and we're doing forecasting we we actually don't charge for that um sometimes i feel like we should <laughs> but they really appreciate you know being able to understand all this stuff and really know what they're getting into mm-hmm. so we've we've kind of done that um and also it, when we work with other other partners, um, whether HubSpot partners or other agencies or something, we, we typically 
Um, if we're handling stuff for their clients, we, we usually don't charge for an audit. When we do that, uh, we just charge for, you know, all that time and all, all the setup that goes into it whenever we start the service. Right. So I feel like we make it up on the back end. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, there you go, guys. If you are looking for someone to help with uh, with paid search, Darren's the guy. <laughs> so we, we do good. <laughs> there you go. So let's let's switch from what you do good end quote at to uh, what's something right now in the agency, Darren, that has your attention as a pain point or something that you're struggling with that you're working on improving right now. Yeah. So uh, a big thing um, that we're we're doing right now and it's got a lot of my attention is ourselves. Um, and I think this really is kind of a, a struggle with a lot of agencies I talk to where they just don't have a lot of time to do their own marketing. Um, and that, that to me is one of my biggest, uh, focuses right now. And it was actually a big reason why we hired somebody recently. We said, we gotta, we gotta get someone in here to, kind of learn the business and take over some of the stuff because if, if we want to grow, we need to do our own marketing and we need to do it the way that we do it for our clients. Um, you know, we have a really, a really specific way that we do SEO and it's, it's actually quite different than even what HubSpot might preach. Um, a lot of, a lot of what they talk about is creating lots and lots and lots of content. And, you know, then that will attract people and bring people in. Well, we have, I kind of have a different philosophy about that. Um, we tend to not create a, a lot of content for our clients, but we create a few large pieces of content. So, Rather than you know blogging about ten tips you know for impl- improving your health or uh, you know two great sales techniques um, to increase your sales by ten or something like that, you know a bunch of those kind of articles we'll focus on um, which usually those are what what, what would you say like around six hundred words right you know, yeah something like that um, we want to focus on blog posts that are around 2000 words rather than 600 or maybe even 3000. It's got a a ton more meat in it. And the reason we do that is because we could, we could easily share this content with people and get them to link to it and share it because it's, it's got so much quality and so much value packed into it. Um, and a lot of these clients that we have, um, it, it takes a long time to get results. I think the average I heard from this last client that came to us, I think they said, we heard it's going to take about 24 months, you know, to get to see some results that we're looking for. And, you know, our, our timeline for after we did their analysis is, is more like around six months or 12, six to 12 months Mm -hmm. to get them, to get them ramped up to where they need to be. Um, but you know, it's all about domain authority, you know, they, they have no domain authority, but yet their, their competitors are, you know, like on the level of business.com. So how are you going to beat Forbes and business.com and and stuff, you know, in the search engines? Well, it's going to take a lot of quality 
backlinks. It's, it's going to take a lot of exposure and it's going to, it's going to really take good, good content, not just lots of content because, you know, we need people, um, to see this and we need to be also targeting not, and it's not just from a content perspective, like, Oh, if we build this big piece of content, it's going to link, you know, you're just going to get more links from it. Um, we actually add a, a really thick layer of content promotion onto each piece of content that we do. So it's more than just, Hey, tweet that, you know, tweet that blog out, share it on LinkedIn, put it on Google plus, <laughs> you know, we're, we're actually going out and finding the people that shared similar articles to what we wrote for a client and we're showing it to them through email, um, or Twitter or whatever, where we'll hunt, we'll find these people, we'll find their contact information and email them and say, Hey, I just noticed that you, you shared this article on XYZ site. I love that article. We just wrote something similar. Wanted to see if, you know, if you'd like to, to read it or, Hey, we're about to publish, you know, a new, uh, blog post tomorrow. I saw that you added, um, this post into your roundup last week, I think it'd be a great fit. Would you like for me to send it to you when I publish it? And that gets, that gets, um, people involved and it really creates more, um, more results and quicker, you know, for a client. So we, we use kind of techniques like that and that's going into my biggest thing about our, our marketing is we want to adapt that and use that for, for ourselves because, you know, when you just don't have time to, to do that and your, your focus is so much on your clients that, you know, your, your own home kind of gets, uh, abandoned <laughs> for yeah. a while. So, Very you know, our, our blog has collected dust. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, a big focus of mine to, to bring that kind of strategy to, to us and, you know, our own website. Right. I like it. And so on the long form, short form side of things, Neil Patel, has written and spoken quite a bit about that and just the impact of mm-hmm. doing less stuff. I know that uh, that was a part of Sidekick um, as they were pumping up their marketing on the sales side of what HubSpot has. Yeah, um, They kind of took the same approach where they, instead of producing as many articles, kind of the same, the route that the marketing side of things took um, as the web is just inundated with 600 word articles out there. <laughs> yeah. um, moving to the longer form content has been really effective for them as well. Mm-hmm. And I think the content promotion side of things, that's what a lot of people um, are seeing and starting to move to. And I'm curious to know, so as you're, as you're doing this, are you using a tool like BuzzSumo to find the influencers who you want to send that to, or what are the, yeah. um, what are the tools that you're using for that? Yeah. So BuzzSumo is, is an awesome tool. Um, you can basically plug anything into there. I, I love this tool because you can plug anything into there and it'll, and then you can sort it by total searches. And then a, a, a cool feature of that is you can export all of the people who, you know, shared that, that piece of content. So when you export that, you're probably not getting their email addresses, but there's a couple of, there's a couple of things you can do, um, you know, with online searching and I, I don't have, um, necessarily the, the tool in front of me that you can use to, um, grab a lot of those email addresses. And actually there's a, there's one here I'm looking at right now that, 
that you can use like name to email.com and two is like the number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use other things like reportive. So, <clears throat> you know, if you are trying to figure out, okay, I've got a list of Twitter, Twitter users and I've got their first and last name, you know, I want to, I want to plug those into, um, reportive and see if I can find what their actual, you know, email address is. And so, when you find the right one, you can actually email those people. And it's a, a pretty lengthy manual process, but it, you know, it gets results. So you probably want to find somebody that, you know, can do a hundred of these for, uh, cheap and pretty quick. <laughs> right. Right. No, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. I think that's a, that's an area that we're going to see. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think both of those things are areas. This is definitely where things are going to move towards and then we'll Huge. ruin that as well. And then we'll move somewhere else. But Huge, and you can use even things like BuzzStream um, mm-hmm. if if you've used it or if you haven't used it yet. It's a great it's a great tool to scale outreach, you know, with with a team. So um, if you have like a team that that really needs to start working on out, outreach, BuzzStream BuzzStream is a really good one I'd recommend. Awesome. Well, Darren, I want to wrap up here by asking a question that um, that is always interesting to hear the answer to, and that is kind of around uh, maybe more personal habits or what your average morning looks like, what goes into starting your day strong. What does that maybe the first hour, two hours of your day look like? Mm, starts out with a strong cup of coffee. No, I'm yes. surprised. <laughs> or for you, a strong cup of green tea. Right. right? Um, yeah. <laughs> After I've had that, um, just getting a line for the day, you know, is, is one of the first things I like to do. Um, and if you've seen that, that kind of quadrant where it's urgent, but important, urgent and important, important, but not urgent, urgent, you know, not important. So those are, those are some of the things that I do in the mornings just to try to get aligned here and write down the, you know, first, uh, even if you can't, if it's just too much for someone to, to really go over something like that, even, even if it's as quick as, writing down the the first three to five urgent and important things you just got to get done today. You know, having that, having that in front of you and then writing down the next three to five things that are important, but not urgent. And really kind of that, that will help, that will really help us get aligned. So that's, that's what I use, um, typically. Um, oh, and of course, uh, you know, I was just thinking of another tool and this, you know, goes into the day. I mean, who doesn't use do inbound, right? You know, that's like the best thing, right? There you go. There you go. Not paid. <laughs> Not paid. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. That's hilarious. Well, Darren, uh, great to learn from you. appreciate you making time, coming on, and sharing this. I think there's a lot of takeaways here as I'm just taking notes as we've been going through. There's so many different things that uh, that I don't want to highlight from this. But um, yeah. appreciate the time for folks to uh, connect with you other than going to link linkcaffeine.com and tracking you down there. Um, where's the best place for people to get in touch? Um, I, people can email me directly if they want, if they've got questions, I am always happy to help out. It's just Darren at linkcaffeine.com. It's D A R R E N. Awesome. Darren, thanks for your time. Great to have you here. Thanks so much, Gray, for having me. I really appreciate it. This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. 
If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash journey. Now, back to the show. All right, folks, welcome back. Gray, I loved your conversation with Darren. Good stuff there. Fun to just hear what they've been up to down there. Um, and I really liked some of the content that you guys dug into. Before we dive into those points, any high-level takeaways that you have from the interview? Uh, love the conversation. One of the things I want to get into and uh, talk about is what they his success story that they talked about with the e-com- uh, e-commerce client and the email campaign that they were doing um, and the HubSpot notice. That was uh, – it was – Cool just to hear the passion that Darren has to talk about that story and how excited. Um, those are great moments as an agency and as an agency owner um, when you get those client wins and it, it turns out really well and everyone's happy. Um, so those are those are really exciting times, but fun to hear a story, but I think there's a lot of meat in that story as well. Um, so that's something that I want to dig into. And I thought that also I appreciated him being willing to talk about the struggle of doing their own marketing and what goes into that. So that's um, another thing that I think is a challenge. But uh, really enjoyed the the conversation that we got to have and the opportunity to connect with Darren again over the over Skype. I was going to say over the phone, but but we use Skype. Um, so those are a couple of things on the high level. Dimmer, did you have anything you wanted to hit on before we dive into um, kind of unpacking what they did in that success story? And I know that you had a couple of thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I like I like their approach. How he says that they use PPC for all their clients, and from a purist standpoint, from an inbound side of things, that that you might think that that might be the wrong thing to do. But I think we're seeing over and over again that you can really leverage PPC to uh, elevate the inbound content that you're doing. And so it's cool to see that they're doing that. Um, I love the discovery audit that they use around PPC. I thought that was a really cool idea. Um, made me think about like the different types of services you offer as an agency and how can you create a discovery project for each of the different like channels that you would use as an agency. So we've got our game plan for our inbound services. Um, you could do like a HubSpot audit as well if you are you know primarily targeting folks who are already on HubSpot, doing like a PPC audit like this just to go in there and see what's going on. Um, you can do a brand audit, a website design audit, a lot of those things just to get your foot in the door, small amount of commitment, but a chance to facilitate a conversation within an organization to get them united around a strategic idea, not just a tactical idea. Um, I thought all of those things were really, really cool. Um, so we could talk paid search, gray, we could talk audits, or we could dive well, into success stories. Yeah, well, here. let me, let me go on a quick little rant about PPC and people being against it who are for inbound. If if you were truly not doing SEO, first of all, your stuff wouldn't rank very well. But if you were not doing SEO, I mean, every once in a while I would. Um, hopefully, what you're optimizing for is what your post is actually about. And I think that the same thing is like, why would you? I guess I don't understand why people are so against paying for those views. I understand that it's easier to do something scammy and spammy, and we've seen a lot of that over the years when all you have to do is put money into something to rank for it, not necessarily write a junky blog post. But the number of junky blog posts out there, they sh- technically they do show up in organic search results, but they show up and you click on whatever the title is and you get there and there's zero meat there. Uh, it's the same scammy, spammy, no fun tactic as paying for a search term that's irrelevant to get people 
there or making a promise in that quick little snippet that you don't see on the flip side. So I think as long as the best results are always going to come when the user intent lines up with what you actually have to say and offer and the information that you have to provide for them. So as long as you're doing it the right way, I don't get the big uh, difference between PPC and um, and inbound. So I think in the past, maybe for me personally, an anti like PPC view or, hey, I don't do that is more of I'm not familiar. Like I, that's not my area of expertise, um, but not it's it's ineffective or it's not going to work for you. So I, th- I think that was cool that Darren was able to uh, – they do a ton of paid advertising for their clients and, and paid search marketing. And so to be able to have that perspective on I think was really helpful and hopefully um, helped convince some other agencies that whether this is something that you should be offering or not, um, it's something that can definitely work and work really well with inbound and maybe worth partnering with someone like Link Caffeine who does this all day every day. Um, to add that offering into into your services and into your retainers. Yeah, I love that. Um, similar note, Gray, let's dive into the success story because I want to dig into this cart abandonment stuff because I think with when you're running a, an e-commerce client, you're running a campaign with them, this is a really, really good opportunity to re-engage folks who are at the bottom of the funnel but just couldn't quite get it across the goal line. Um, I've got a question for you about a B2B application here, but before we get to that, what did you think about the strategy that they employ, the connector with HubSpot, everything that Darren mentioned when it came to to their case study specifically? Yeah, I love the, I mean, the case study is awesome. I think that we've talked with, um, with Ethan from Groove about the connectors before, and obviously they've, they've built connectors, um, so the Magento HubSpot connector that Darren specifically talked about using in this example, and he talked about just a quick reminder, talked about uh, showing pictures of uh, the products that they left in the cart right in that email, um, using the connector and pulling that stuff through to HubSpot, which is an awesome use case of how to take advantage of this and and keep it all integrated with what you've got going on inside of HubSpot. Um, so I think I think there's a ton of potential for these types of connectors. And I think that we're going to see it at some point start to expand out beyond traditional e-commerce. Yeah. So let's go there next. Can I was thinking about this and I was trying to figure out what is the B2B equivalent of the cart abandonment email? If we're talking to someone who uses a more traditional sales process where you're, you're nurturing folks along, there's more of a human contact with it. How can we leverage what, what, Darren found successful, what Amazon finds successful um, in a B2B context, um, you know, through our sales process, are there any processes that we can, that we can put in place to capitalize on the same sort of emotion, the same sort of scarcity aspect here that, that Darren and the team there are capitalizing with these card abandonment emails. Any thoughts pop into your head around, around that question? I think it's a really good question. And that's my way of stalling for time because I don't have a great answer to this one, um, what this looks like. But I think it's, um, I think it's a great question to ask and try and figure out what does this look like in the non-traditional e-commerce space. Yeah, I'm thinking of like as an agency, there's the the folks who just kind of drop out of the sales process, and you know they they just move on, or you have a hard time getting back to them. I mean we. If you run an agency, you've hit that person a, a time or two. 
Um, but just trying to figure out, is there an element of scarcity that we can put in there? Does this come down to the terms in the contract that the price goes up after a certain point? Um, you know, do you still want to move forward or, uh, the pictures idea got me thinking about how do you like productize your stuff? So could you send them, um, I don't know, images of like the, the product icons that they were thinking about or the stuff that was included in the contract, a more visual way to connect them less of like a sales pressure and more of like, Oh, there's this thing out there. Even if it's a service, there's this thing out there that I want this game plan audit that I want. And if I don't act now, I'm going to lose it. Cool thought to cool thought to think about as you if you have a B two B sales process, how can you leverage some of these e commerce tactics in there that uh, are provi- are producing results right now? They're motivating action based on scarcity, but right. how can we tap into the same emotion? I think it'd be as we as we think about sales processes and as we evaluate these things, it's a, a good question to ask. Yeah, I think so too. I think this is kind of like the prospects who it's most applicable to are the folks who go dark on you because that's. It's the equivalent of the people who acted like they were interested and then left without actually making the purchase. Um, so I don't know if it's just a well-crafted sequence at the end there or like you were saying more more detail or um, – the other thing is he, he talked about some kind of discount. So discounting your services I think is a um, a dangerous slope to, to start playing on and it's something that um, – that I tend to be against in in pretty much all circumstances. But could you do something else where there's um, whether it's some kind of if you're not already offering a money back guarantee, some kind of guarantee, or something else where you're throwing stuff on top of what was currently currently there, some way to sweeten the pot without discounting what you have. I don't know. It's a it's a something to think about for sure. And how does that apply, um, especially the agencies who are doing the bulk, spending the bulk of their time in the B2B or non-e-commerce space? There you go. We posed the question and no solutions, but hopefully I get you guys thinking about this stuff a little bit. Um, Gray, as we wrap up here, any other final takeaways from your chat with Darren? Um, the only other thing I'd, I'd point out again, no, you know what? I'm not even going to spend any time on it. Just... Um, just mentioned like being self-aware of where your weaknesses are and figuring out how to make the investment. Um, Darren talked about the priority of doing their own marketing and the steps they're going to take. So that's, that's just the only other takeaway I would, I would say is something that's, that's applicable no matter what stage you're in is figuring out where our weaknesses and what do we do intentionally to solve those. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. So this, this is a great example of an inbound agency that's sort of growing and doing things their own way. They're invested in paid search, running discovery audits on the PPC side, a great case study on how to leverage folks who go dark in the e-commerce sales process. So hopefully this got some thoughts spinning in your mind, some ideas to improve your agency processes and to help to deliver some awesome results to your clients. I'm excited to have you guys back next week where you're going to hear the story of a rapid growth agency who's become one of the largest inbound agencies in Australia, a rapidly growing market. So little teaser there. I encourage you to come back next week to grab that story. Awesome, awesome conversation. And until next time, keep moving forward. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.